welcome to Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. Hello and welcome to another episode of Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. I'm your host, Tom Masters, and our guests today are internist Dr. Matt Letterman and his wife, family practitioner Alona Poldy. They are best-selling authors of books on health and nutrition. As former vice presidents of Whole Foods Markets, they implemented a lifestyle and nutrition medicine program that was highly successful. Today, they're pioneering a new approach to health through building stronger human connections. Welcome. Hi, man, Alona. It's actually Alona Poldy and Matt Letterman, even though they are a husband-wife team. And so welcome to the show. And Matt, I'm excited about having Matt and Alona on the show. They've become good friends of my wife and I, and we've worked with them now for over a year and a half. And they have a little bit of an unusual history. Um, Alona is a family, family practitioner, and Matt is an internist. And they worked with Whole Foods for many years in, in the nutritional world. I think, Matt, at some point, you said you had read over 17,000 papers on nutrition. Is that right? We, we compiled and referenced, uh, or, and or referenced. But I haven't read every single one of those papers. I don't want to <laughs> oversell myself. <laughs> Alona, how many of those did you read? Not as many. Not as many. <laughs> anyway, so they, both, they, they are the authors of the book called Forks Over Knives, which is a very widely known book in the nutrition world. They created a movie, Forks Over Knives, which my wife and I watched, and I have to say that it actually changed our dietary behavior after watching that movie. So they are phenomenally deep in knowledge of nutrition. But why I have them on the show today is, is their approach to human connection. And as many of you know, in my process, the doc journey, that the essence of the problem is threat and being disconnected the essence of solving chronic pain is actually connecting to your own capacity to heal. It's all about connection. And it came out of the conversation with Van Alona that they were doing this process that they're starting a website called connectin.com, K-I-N-E-C-T-I-N.com. And they've evolved a process where it's a level, anything above I've ever been exposed to about um, making sure your communication, whether it's positive or negative, comes from, from a place of being connected. And they've redefined connect, connection in my mind. And I want them to somehow to convey that experience, even though it's, it's really, really remarkable. And it's a little unusual. So I'm just curious, how did you go from being medical directors of Whole Foods to this process that we're calling Connected? Yeah, so um, I like the way, I mean, we can we sort of back our way into that. I like the way you talk about the threat. Um, basically, you know, a, everything we do for health and wellness is trying to address threat against the body, right? And I, as you're talking, it's sort of, it's, it's uh, really clear to me, whether it's sleep, nutrition, activity, lack of play, disconnection from yourself and not connecting to your own feelings and needs, um, how we talk to everybody else, which is disconnecting, you know, living in artificial harmony. All of that is threat to the body. And, you know, we didn't realize when we were, as we were sort of compiling all these different pieces to our model, that that's really what we're addressing, right? And, and it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty interesting to hear, you know, just to sort of frame it from that perspective. And then we get to hear Stephen Porges and Sue Carter and understand sort of the, the biology underneath 
how that all works and it all comes together. So it's pretty fun to see that what we learned and put together and, and saw was working with our, our patients and clients actually get explained from all these other aspects and it's made the program really strong. So anyway, I just wanted to comment on that. that. That's an interesting way to think about it though. Yeah, no, it's been really interesting how our projects are very overlapping. And a lot of, you know, I, I've said this for quite a while, but you know, we're thinking chronic pain is a complex unsolvable problem. And those of us that have been in the chronic pain world, there's about seven of us who really see patients get better on a regular basis. And so it's a multi-pronged self-directed approach. And we think that the answer to chronic pain is actually primary care. We don't think it's cool psychological, it's sort of a total body approach. And you can't really solve chronic pain as much as moving towards wellness. Do you have any thoughts on that? The primary, it depends. I mean, primary care has a lot of different meanings to different people. I think the way you and I and Alona think about primary care is much more comprehensive and, and really addresses all different aspects from, you know, regulating the nervous system to resourcing your body to learning how to connect to other people and all those important relationships in your world. And if that's how we think about primary care, as well as addressing when there's medical issues that need to be addressed, right. then we do, we're on the same page there. That's, that's the solution. Right, because what's happened in, in medicine, particularly in orthopedics, is somebody doesn't have, quote, a surgical problem, it must be, quote, psychological. And what I've learned, and I was part of that. I mean, I was a very aggressive surgeon. I spent eight years being really aggressive doing surgery. And so I thought, well, if I can't see a bone spur or something that was wrong, must be quote psychological. I didn't realize how complex chronic pain was and how many aspects of it you had to address at the same time. But the, um, so going back to the conversation about how you went from high level nutrition training to connect in to me is fascinating. I don't think I've ever heard that story exactly. Yeah, I think, you know, we're constantly evolving and, and looking at our program and kind of honing and optimizing and what makes sense and what might be missing. And um, in working with our teams, what became apparent was that connection, that artificial harmony, which is a state that so many people live in to whether we're in survival mode or whether it's an attempt for safety or predictability or comfort um, can be really toxic. And it does impede health and it does impact negatively on our health and well-being. And it's a really important factor to consider in the healing process. And so with connecting, um, you know, we've been working on the internal resourcing, optimizing sleep and activity and nutrition for a very, very long time. And then learning about, you know, just like you mentioned, the primary care, the importance of self-care, the importance of play, the importance of our external connections, how we relate to the world around us, whether it's the important relationships in our lives, like our family, friends, whether it's our work, um, our natural world, our environment, and all of that plays into our health and well-being overall. So it really is kind of a, a big picture, comprehensive package of wellness. Well, I like to, I want to catch, go back to that phrase, artificial harmony. That's a very interesting phrase to me. What do you mean by artificial harmony? Yeah, I think 
to preserve security and comfort, a lot of people give up authenticity and, and safety to preserve safety. They give up authenticity um, for that security. And in that environment, they create an artificial, they'll do what it takes, they'll soldier up, they'll um, conform to allow for harmony because harmony going with the crowds, going with a group, belonging, ultimately um, meets those needs for them for security or safety or predictability or... Um, and it's also, it's also binary, right? We can either, a lot of people, they get into trouble and they, they force themselves into these binary choices, right? It's either I, I'm, I'm authentic and there's disconnection or I'm gonna be, I'm going to repress or suppress and there's going to and live in artificial harmony, right? So at least we'll have harmony, but I'm going to have to suppress my needs. Right. And, and it's what we give is a third option because we don't like either of those choices. And we teach people how I'm sorry, to- Can you repeat those again for me? I, I lost you a little bit. So, so people sort of have choices of whether, hey, I'm going to be, I'm going to suppress my needs, which is basically I'm willing to live in artificial harmony to maintain this sense of connection. Okay. with whoever I'm with, or I'm going to share authentically and honestly, but there's going to be disconnection and disharmony with the people I'm with. Those okay. are sort of the two options they give themselves, and neither of them are very exciting. Okay. What we do is we teach people how to get clear about all the needs, and then which is authenticity and harmony and kindness and connection, all you know, all these beautiful needs, and we 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 teach them how to express themselves. So that the other person's likely to hear them in a in, in a way that doesn't feel like criticism or combative or you know blaming, attacking, things like that. And then we can hear their when they have a reaction, we can hear that empathically versus reacting ourselves. So we basically hold both relationships and the connection all at the same time and value that connection more than anything else. And what are the consequences? living in artificial harmony? I mean, what's the general outcome of living in artificial harmony? The, the disconnection from your own heart, right? There's a disconnect, there's a, a, a gap, a distance between what's really alive in you and sort of how you're living. And, and there's a fear-based lifestyle, right? So I'm afraid if whatever I share is so bad or dangerous that the other person's gonna leave me or get angry with me, or have some type of response that's really uncomfortable. So there's a natural suppression, which we've, you know, I learned through your work, right? And, and the people you've introduced me to, David, that when you're suppressing and repressing, a lot of times we've over, by the time we're adults, we repress. So we don't even realize right. we're doing it. Right. To maintain, you know, but there's still that artificial harmony. So we have to really dig and unlock what our authentic, you know, truth is, what's really going on inside of us. And if you don't, you're stimulating danger. You're basically saying it is dangerous to share my truth. So I have to repress or suppress it. And that stimulates the autonomic nervous system we've learned, right? And there's a whole biological impact on top of the spiritual impact. Hey, my truth won't be received with care by other people. It doesn't matter to other people, hide it. And then there's also emotional, it's going to be scary, it's going to, they're going to have, they're going to yell, they're going to never talk to me again. So it's on so many levels impactful. And there's a weight, I think, to it. You know, there's a, in, on some level, it requires so much mental real estate 
to maintain that cognition to live not showing up the way that I am, to live in this artificial state of who I'm choosing to uh, represent myself as. You know, that takes a lot of capacity and constant um, vigilance. And I think that too has impact on our health and well-being. And, and Stephen Porges talks about the, you know, the vigilance and what, I mean, what state you're in to, when you're, when you're like that. And, and I think we could demonstrate, you know, we don't have to do that now, David, but I think it's very powerful at some point to role play and show people what the difference is. Cause we can talk about it and then you experience it and it's, it's pretty impactful and it's, it's very empowering. So when someone right. is with someone in chronic pain and they're getting angry all the time, how do we, you know, still support ourselves, stay true to our, our values, our needs, have our internal integrity, right? Have maintain our self-worth and not, maybe we don't have to just leave the person that's in pain. Maybe we don't have to fight back. Maybe there's another way and that's what we teach people. Right, maybe there's an opportunity in that situation to hear them differently. What's behind the anger, not see the, just the anger. Right. So at the risk of not going through the whole picture of what you do, this is really a super critical point about this artificial harmony because, um, Matt and I and a lot have been introduced to a Dr. Stephen Porges who wrote a book called The Polyvagal Theory. And his point, which we didn't, I mean, we all know this in medical school, and maybe you and Alona remember this, but I don't, about cytokines and the immune system and inflammation. And what he reminded us of that we have a fight, flight, or freeze, or faint mode in response to a threat. And so one of the th one of the responses is, is the immune system, which is this massive inflammatory response when it's sustained is a huge problem as far as chronic disease. But I, I really I want to go back to this because I will tell you with my own experience with chronic pain that we, when you're in that painful state, these words like artificial harmony, disconnection sort of mean a little bit. But I want to try to dig in if we can deeper about what it means to be connected. Because a lot of times being connected means you have to allow yourself to feel unpleasant emotions. Mm -hmm. The other thing I heard last night in your lecture, Matt, that was interesting, that <laughs> this is what I find fascinating, and especially dealing with my situation with chronic pain, and I think many of my patients, is that I first have to understand what my needs are. In other words, you have to be connected to yourself. And so if I, I'm not understanding my own needs. How can I convey those to other people to ask them to meet those needs? So we get into this argument or anxiety and frustration that's very disconnected. So let's just try, I like to spend a little time on this. Let's just try to find the word connected. I mean, if you and alone are connected, what does that feel like? What does that mean? What, what are we trying to accomplish here about being connected? Because I'll just jump into the story with a lot of details. Being connected is has a tremendous impact on your health. Right. Right. So connection, what a lot of people value right now is being in the headspace, in the cognitive space. And what we part of what we teach and help people gain is that experience mm -hmm. in the heart space, in the felt space. So connection, a lot of times people will know when they're disconnected. Um, and they'll they'll have a different sense. There's a I like to talk about it, an expansive feeling like an openness, right? Or versus contracted. I like to talk about a softening in our heart versus a tight, you know, the hardening or, or tough, right? So those are examples of some of the felt experiences when we're connected. There's also 
when somebody talks, I, I can, I use the words when I'm, when I'm, you know, when I have my access to my skills, which I'm by no, by no means perfect is to be, when they talk, I use the words to get at what's in their heart, right? That's my goal with the words. I don't care what they think about me. I don't, I don't care what their judgments are. I don't, in fact, when I'm really humming, I'm not even hearing the judgments, right? I'm actually, I'm back at what's going on in her heart that she's expressing through judgments, right? So that's to me the connection. Can you, can you see that again? That's a pretty critical thing that you just said. So if you're feeling judged, is that, is that what you're saying? So if you're feeling tight or hurt because you're you're hearing a judgment, right? Okay. So there's because I can choose to hear the judgment, right? I could hear the hear the words of judgment, or I could choose to go underneath whatever those words are and get to her heart. So if she says, Matt, you know, you are so um, thoughtless, right? You just don't well, even. Well, you and, are you are a guy, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. You just don't, you know, you just are thoughtless and insensitive, right? So I could hear that and then I could choose to internalize that and be like, oh, maybe I'm thoughtless, maybe I'm insensitive. I got to prove to her I'm not thoughtless and not insensitive, right? right. Or I could go to un you know, underneath what those words are is, oh, she's maybe feeling hurt and maybe she's needing consideration and to know that she matters to me. I think that's the key is, is in connection, there are feelings and needs and we all have universal needs. We share the need for, um, for peace, for shelter, for food, for kindness, for compassion, for consideration, safety. for contribution, for safety, for predictability, wow. and so on and so forth. We all share those needs. Oftentimes what happens in disconnection is we get caught in strategy, how we choose to meet those needs. And those don't always align, right? So we may not enjoy a strategy that a particular person uses to meet a need. That was okay. actually an interesting thing that was brought up in the um, lecture yesterday was uh, somebody calling you to sell you something. And, and the conversation got to the need, which is financial security. We can all resonate with the need for financial security. We right. may not like it being a telemarketer selling us something on the phone, but if we focus on this is this person's need to do this, there's less judgment, there's less shaming and blaming and criticizing. There's an opportunity to really get to have compassion and unite mutuality around those needs and I then see. strategize together. I'll admit until the lecture last night, the, the example is, you know, if, if a telemarketer calls you and you're sort of frustrated because you've been interrupted without that, without your permission, it's frustrating. But if I identify the person has to, they have a need to make a living, made a big difference for me in that conversation. It was really fascinating because that's a pretty clear black and white picture about, you know, how need versus judgment comes into play so quickly. And the interesting thing, if you're in the judgmental words mode, it has an effect on your body's immune system. And I'm going to use the word, I mean, I'm, I'm very much in favor of psychology and psychologists. They have a tremendous benefit, but this is not a psychological issue. When you say an open heart and feeling, you're feeling your body's chemistry change. That's right. what and, we're learning. And I'm also, I didn't make this point clear last night, but, but what's really important is I talked about the difference between observations and evaluations, right? right? 
when you use obser pure observations, there's, it feels safe. When you use evaluations, it's going to simulate danger. That person's telling me something that's not true. He's not seeing me. So all of a sudden, needs are not being met when you start evaluating people without, their, without them confirming, at least, that that's true for them. The same thing with when you start using thoughts instead of feel. If you share your feelings, there's no danger stimulated. If you share thoughts and cover them up as feelings, like I feel like I'm abandoned, right? That's really a thought about what the other person is doing. They're leaving you. Right. That all of a sudden stimulates danger, right? It's it's not, it doesn't feel safe anymore. You want to protect yourself. The same thing with sharing needs versus strategies. The same thing with making requests versus demands, right? So when you make a demand, hey, that's, there's no choice anymore. That's dangerous. Someone's, someone's you know, there's some threat to me. A, a request, no threat. Does that make sense? So part of this, it's really neat to put it together in that other framework, right? right? And to say, hey, there's a benefit to this. It it's just feels safe on top of all the other reasons we talked about, you know, that are, it's beneficial to, to talk that way. It's not the right way to talk. It just makes life much more wonderful and more connected. So I summarize this part of the podcast, why we are, I mean, <clears throat> basically when you are connected to another, when you're connected to your needs and you can see the other person's needs and you can communicate at that level, particularly if there's conflict or disagreement and stay connected at that level, you're safe. And your body chemistry is optimized. You have anti-inflammatory molecules as opposed to inflammatory molecules, but your whole body responds. And so what you feel with this openness, you're actually feeling a body chemistry that's also safe. So it does have a tremendous impact on your health. Could you briefly um, just mention your website and just how to get how to become part of your learning community? Yes. Yeah, so right now we're putting together a self-paced program and some other programs. And if you want more information, um, you can go to connectin.com and subscribe to our list. And, and then when as more things become available, uh, we'll we'll uh, share that. We just um, left our jobs at Whole Foods Market, the corporate jobs, the end of January. So we're now taking this time to put put these these programs together right now. And this spelled K-I-N-E-C-T-I-N.com, connecting.com. So Correct. yeah, so it, it, that's what's so interesting for me personally. And Matt and I in Alona have talked about, and my wife Babs, who's part of my uh, this project on my side, is that um, it, it is about connection. So it just as we kept talking and talking, we think the doc project does a lot of the foundational groundwork and at least calms things down enough because we're, we'll talk about this in the second half where you're anxious and frustrated, you're on the defensiveness, the blood supply to the thinking centers of your brain actually drops down dramatically. You can't even think straight. And plus your brain is actually inflamed. Your glial cells in the brain, the connecting cells in the brain actually throw up inflammatory cytokines. So you have an inflamed brain the blood supply to the thinking centers or the frontal lobe drops down dramatically. And people engage in really bad behaviors when they're disconnected, but they're in this reptilian survival part of their brain. They're not even thinking. Right. So connecting is sort of the opposite of that, where blood flow is great to the frontal lobes, your body chemistry is good, you're in, a, you're in an, a regenerative anti-inflammatory mode. It's a huge, huge difference. So we're excited about maybe the doc type concepts doing some foundational work, 
But this is extraordinarily interesting as far as just taking it to many levels higher. And also, we also found that, that with family issues, that the family issues are actually some of the trump card in chronic pain in general. So I'm really excited to sort of combine forces, especially around this polyvagal theory. So um, any final thoughts, Matt and Alona, on, for today? Yeah, I think to your point, there's a, the first thing you first need you have to meet is regulation, regulation of your nervous system. Then you have to be sort of resourced enough that you can connect, right? So there's regulation, resourcing, connection. So when you're triggered, it's that's not the time that you're going to be able to access new skills. You're going to go to your defaults. You're going to try and protect yourself. That is not a state where you can connect very easily. So the so we teach people this is. This is the time to actually be able to check in yourself and say, hey, I'm dysregulated right now. I need to take 10 and calm myself down. And then I can come back and try and connect after I spend 10 minutes coming down and connecting to what's alive in me. Learn, hey, what's really going on for me? Right now, it's all judgments in my head about you. Let me get to the feelings and needs. And then I can share with you in a way that you're going to hear it and that we're going to connect as a result. And then my body continues to calm down with that connection and I settled into everything and there's a softening. I think that understanding is really helpful so you can know what's going on versus I'm triggered and I have to be able to you know, talk this way to my, my partner. That's, that's not what we teach. All right, that was fantastic. Well, thank you very, very much. This is wonderful. Thank you. Thanks, Dave. I'd like to thank our guests, Dr. Matt Letterman and Dr. Alona Poldy for being on the show today and explaining how we can build better health through developing stronger human connections. I'm Tom Masters, reminding you to be back next week for another episode of Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. And in the meantime, be sure to visit the website at www.backincontrol.com. Thanks for listening today, and join us next week for Back in Control Radio. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.